What is it? I mean, think about when you were a child and perhaps somebody, one of your buddies, brought some sort of new toy that you hadn't seen before. Right? I'll never forget, like, when, when my friend had this little game, it was, about, it was about this big, it had a plastic cover, and it had like four or five buttons on the front of it. You turned it on on the top, and then you could play football on this little screen. I mean, it was the most amazing thing ever. But in the beginning, you're like, what is it? Like, how does this even work? Like, what, what's going on here? And again, you know, today, these are vintage <laughs> sorts of things. We, we don't even go, what is it? We go, oh, well, that's, okay, well, that was a precursor to this, to that, to, to Madden 2020 or something. But in the beginning, like, we get possessed. We get possessed with the idea of this new and shiny kind of thing. This new myself as a child, right? This new thing that I could play with and I spent hours playing that little football game. Ancient people were no more immune to something new than we are. When Jesus came and, and he's teaching now in the synagogue and I want to give a little background here before we get there. He had been in Mark, he had been baptized in the River Jordan by who? John the baptizer, who is who in relationship to him? His cousin, right? So just remember all of this. Like Israel at this time is like in a, living in a small town. I'm just guessing that a lot of people are related. You know, they grew up in a small, especially in the Galilee, where we are right now. It's a very small agricultural area. I mean, it's still, when you go to Israel and you're, and you're standing up, on one of the cliffs there, up in the Galilee, basically, you can't quite survey the whole thing, but you realize that about most of Jesus' ministry in the northern part of Israel, you can survey from that one point. You can see Capernaum, you can see these little, if they're still there, little villages and little places and, and some of the hills and stuff where he went. It's really interesting because as, when I grew up as a kid, like I imagined Israel to be this vast place, because of course I grew up in a vast place, right? In the, in the right place in, in Nebraska, you can see for miles and miles and miles and miles. But Israel's not that big, really. And especially then we were talking about the Galilee. So he's baptized in the River Jordan. We believe that where he was baptized was nearer to Jerusalem, but now he's back up in the Galilee, and he's in Capernaum. And when the Sabbath came, well, and so John has been arrested, Talked about that last week. And so Jesus now in Mark is, is beginning to, to make his public appearances. And so he's already said the kingdom has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And so they went because he's called the disciples, some of the disciples, and they go to Capernaum and the Sabbath comes and Jesus is a faithful Jewish male. So he's going to go to the synagogue and in the synagogue, there were opportunities where the males of the species could teach. This was, what's interesting is that, and I'm not super clear on this, but, but basically the synagogue is a public place, but it's really just for the men at this time. So it's a public place really just, just for the men. But 
any male could go and could apparently teach. And so in, as he's known as a rabbi already, we think, he comes and he teaches. And they're astounded at his teaching. It says that they just, they're like, wow, it really feels like it has some wisdom to it. It has some weight to it. It, it's something, it feels like something new. It feels like something different. There's something about Jesus that's different than the scribes. And, and I wonder sometimes, if, I mean, was Jesus that, just that charismatic? I mean, was it, was it because he, was he just, a, was he a gifted speaker? I mean, think, think about it. Think about the people, think about the people in our time who have been able to gather a group around them and lead them in not good places. Like Jim Jones, for example, if you, right? And the whole Guyana travesty that happens. What's his name down in Waco, Texas? Like you get, you get, these charismatic leaders and people are like, what is this? Is this a new teaching? Oh my gosh, I've got to follow. They get possessed with the idea that there's something new, that there's some new idea and they've got the special knowledge and so they want to be around that special knowledge and, and if you don't have that special knowledge, you're not one of them. Well, just to use a, a little bit of a bigger word, there's, that's, the, that's a Gnostic idea. Gnostic, Gnosis, knowledge. The Gnostics, and they were Gnostics around in Jesus' time. They were Gnostic Christians, people who were followers of Jesus, but really were Gnostic. And what they meant was, you receive special knowledge. And so that's how you become part of that group. And that is, we believe, antithetical to what Christianity really is, because the knowledge is for all people. But they get possessed with this, like, wow, what, what, this is a new teaching? Like, what, what is this? What is this thing that's, that's happening here? What is this thing that's going on? Because it just feels so brand new. It feels so different and interesting. I mean, just think about when we started using social media. A lot of the, a lot of the folks in my generation, in Generation X, we were, we were big Twitter adopters, and it was a way in the beginning where we could have these instant kinds of conversations over the computer with a large group of people. It wasn't email. It wasn't on the phone. You could have this conversation and these very deep conversations in 140 characters or whatever very quickly. And people were like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is so cool. I can connect with people. Facebook, Instagram, I mean, all of these things, these TikTok, all of these Snapchat, all of these things at, at some point in time are like, what is this? And for a lot of people, they get possessed by it, right? I mean, I'm sure that for some of you, and especially, I believe, for girls of a certain age, like TikTok, like they're just making dance TikToks like every moment that they can because that's just, they just love it, and they share it with their friends, and they get the likes, and they, you know, all that. What is it? What's this new thing? And things go viral, and we go, what is it? Oh my gosh, look at this, look at this sort of thing. We get possessed with it, in a sense. And it becomes something different. And then, I love this, just then, 
there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Just then, he just, poof. Probably not. Probably, probably was there. Uh, a man with an unclean spirit, an unholy spirit, might be, might be a way of saying it. We don't know what that really means in this time. I mean, at this time in history, there are a lot, there are a lot of people who are healers and teachers who are wandering around in Israel and probably all around in the, in the Middle East. There are lots of these folks and the people are always, we're always looking for the new person you know, who was able to heal these diseases, right? It's like today when we go get a second or a third or a fourth opinion on something, it's a similar sort of thing. In that time, they didn't have doctors like we do today, right? They were looking for someone who seemed to have this magic authority, this ability to heal people. And we still have, of course, faith healers today. Some of them are pure charlatans. They, they work on people's fears and they extract as much money as they can from them. I mean, I'm, I'm sure it happened then as well. So this, but this unclean spirit, this unclean spirit, at least in, in here, in the, as Mark recounts it, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? It's plural. What do you have to do with us? Meaning, oh, is there more? Are these unclean spirits in, in cahoots with each other? Are they, are they in connection with one another? What do you have to do with us? Have you come to destroy us? Well, why did he say this? Why? Because I know that you are the Holy One of God. This is not some sort of new designation. Elisha was called, in 2 Kings, was called the Holy One of God. So this is not some tremendously special designation. It just, it means more like a, a pure one. A holy one. Like, it says in the scripture, like, for, for us as followers of Jesus, we're supposed to be holy as God is holy. Pure, unadulterated, unstained not possessed by the things of the world, not possessed by unclean spirits. And so what do you have to do with us? Jesus the Nazarene or Jesus of Nazareth. I love this, that they, they know who he is. They know where he's from, some nowhereville. Have you come to destroy us? I know you're the Holy One of God because when unholiness comes into contact with holiness, it freaks out. It's like, when cockroaches see the light of day, what do they do, generally? Unless you're in Florida. In Florida, they come for you. No, I'm just kidding. They, because they're bigger than you in Florida. Ugh. Palmetto bugs, we call them. Yes. They scatter. Right? Because they don't want to see the light. That's what happens when unholiness comes into contact with holiness is afraid because it gets found out. The untruths get revealed. The unclean spirit gets cast out and perhaps even redeemed by the Holy One. But Jesus says, rebukes him and says, be silent, come out of him. You're going to see this in, in the Gospel of Mark. There's a lot of this, what we call the messianic secret. Jesus doesn't allow the unclean spirits to speak because, and it's just an interesting sort of thing. He tells other people, don't tell people who I am. There's a lot of speculation about this. We think that it's because Jesus, Jesus does not want people to know he's the Messiah yet. 
It's not the right time. It's not the Kairos time. It's not the perfect time for people to know who he is yet. It's very interesting in Mark how that how that comes. Be silent and comes out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice comes out of him. And that's when they ask, what is this? A new teaching with authority commands even the unclean spirits. And they obey him. At once his fame begins to spread. Well, no no doubt. Right? As we would say today, like, he starts to go viral. His fame begins to spread throughout the surrounding region of Galilee. Again, not a big area, but it begins to spread. Well, what are we possessed with today? Well, I'm going to make a little play on words. I think we're possessed with our possessions. I think the things that we think we own really own us. Because for a lot of people, for a lot of people in our culture who look like they're doing amazingly well, they're a slave to what they owe. To the mortgage, to the car payment, to however they think they need to to look, to the newest fashion. Because it's the, we want to be on the front end of things. We want to have the the shiny and the new. We want to be the ones bringing out the new wisdom. We want to be on the front edge of everything. You know, once, it's so interesting, when you hear of folks who have gone viral with something, once that rush is over, they want it again. Businesses are trying to master that. And social media, of course, if you've seen the social dilemma is working to just feed us and keep us engaged online all the time so that we might be convinced to buy more stuff, participate in this thing. We get possessed by our possessions. And not only are we possessed with that, we're possessed with being able to keep those possessions, that status that we have. And so we create systems around that. We create systems around that And we call those systematic injustices. One of the big ones for us today is systematic racism. We know if we are honest with ourselves and can have some wisdom about it when we step back, we can see how certain things are stacked against certain people. Whether it's because of their class socioeconomically, whether it's because of the color of their skin or some other sort of thing. There are places where we have systems that are stacked up against these people. We get possessed with this because it helps those of us who are in the privileged position, and those of us in the privileged position generally have no clue that we're in the privileged position because we've been in a privileged position for a long time, It allows us to keep that, allows us to stay possessed with the unclean spirit of this system. And what happens when the unclean spirit comes into contact with the Holy One of God? It convulses. It convulses. So it should make sense to us 
if we feel afraid, if we're confused about the world and the culture that we've been brought up in, if it feels like the foundations are being rocked, then clearly you're beginning to encounter the Holy One of God calling on you to come near. Calling on us to examine what we are possessed by. Calling us to encounter the Holy One of God so that we might be set free from the things that possess us. So that we might be able to use our privilege in the service of the Holy One of God who broke down the systems, who called them into question. Yes, they still killed him. But we have been given the power of the Spirit through Jesus the Christ, the one who is not just a new shiny bauble, but whose wisdom and whose love and whose message has survived the test of time. And it comes to us now, and it convulses us and our possessions, the way that we are possessed, so that the Spirit might come out of us, and it might be redeemed, and we might use our positions of privilege, if we have them, to take on the systemic possessions and unholy spirits, unclean spirits of our time. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. May we come to know what it means to fear the Lord, to love God with our whole heart and mind and soul. May what we are possessed with come out of us. And may we live into becoming the children of God. Amen.